Welcome into the Power Alley. If you're familiar with the podcast, I'm your host, Pat Malacaro. It's almost hard to believe, but the offseason is starting to wind down. We're just about four weeks away and less than 30 days from the Bisons opening the 2022 season here at Salem Field against the Iowa Cubs. And one of the most common questions we've been asked throughout the course of this offseason due to the Players Association and the owners' labor negotiations is, would there be a baseball season in 2022 in downtown Buffalo? And the answer is yes. The Bisons will be taking the field on April the 5th. The only difference will be if the owners and players are not in agreement on a new collective bargaining agreement, members of the 40-man roster are not eligible to join the Bisons roster to begin the season. As we know, those players have not made their way to Dunedin, Florida yet for spring training. However, Many minor league players have made their way to Dunedin, and spring training is in full force at the Blue Jays Player Development Complex in Dunedin, Florida. And as a result, I had a chance to catch up with old friend of the program, Ben Wagner. He lives in the Dunedin area and has been down to the PDC pretty much every day since players began to report a little over a week ago. And this week here in the Power Alley, I talked to Ben about a wide range of topics, including some of the players we saw last year, Cullen Large, Logan Warmoth, to name a few, what was the offseason like for them, and how is their path going forward in the organization look? And we talked to Ben here in the Power Alley. Well, Pat, I can guarantee this. My weather here is unlike Iowa or Buffalo, which is the nice backdrop for Blue Jays baseball to get started. And Blue Jays baseball get started means, as we sit here today with a lot of question marks around the Major League Club, but minor league camp, as you know, is full throttle. Full throttle, and that's exciting. And my off season has been pretty busy because this complex has been open in my backyard here in Dunedin, Florida. And that's by design. This is a couple of years in the making, but finally the blue Jays are able to execute the grand plan. And that is to make their minor leaguers better. No matter if they're just starting off in the GCL, going to Vancouver, going to wherever their stop is projected to be. And hopefully eventually it'll be the major leagues. That next stop for any player begins in Dunedin, Florida, and that is the process. So uh, all off-season long, there have been droves and droves of players in and out, coaches in and out, including the big league staff at various times have been in here. Unfortunately, without the major leaguers here, a lot of the focus is now having to be cast on the prospects. So it's been an exciting off-season. It's been an enjoyable off-season, albeit unfulfilling to this point without major league baseball. There have been fans in the past that have gone and watched minor league uh, games throughout the course of spring training, and they, they may have maybe driven by the old complex. To, can you give fans a perspective on just how, you know, how much has changed since the Blue Jays have invested in the, the PDC and, and really you know, taken that next step for those prospects? Well, I mean, let's start first at the ballpark. You know, if you watch the Blue Jays play their major league games in the ballpark, that's been completely refurbished and just off the city limits of Dunedin. Now we're about three miles or uh, five kilometers, if you will, depending on how the language you speak, away from the center of town or the ballpark at the player development complex. And if you were a, a fan of the minor leagues or you roam the backfields, what you remember about the player development complex, you need to scrap that because the Bobby Matic minor league complex is completely different and it is as good as it gets right now with the technology with the facilities with just the overall space where major leaguers and minor leaguers can mingle over the course of the day there are six fields now instead of the traditional four or five there's a couple of half diamonds uh, it is a sparkling facility 
and it is as good as any of the images that you can find about what they have been able to do here in Dunedin. And the resources are endless, endless from the moment you park your car until you uh, get your goodie bag on your way home. Uh, I don't get privileged uh, goodie bags on my way home, but the players do. And, uh, you know, they, they rave about everything possible that could be here. And you know what? I think it really came to fruition for me when you hear guys that have played in other organizations and they, they endlessly talk about what they didn't have that they now have here. And, um, I mean, it's just really remarkable what has been conceptualized, built, and now executed. And you saying that reminds me of Christian Cologne last year here in Buffalo. And we know that the Blue Jays organization, along with Rich Baseball Operations, completely redid the clubhouse structure here at Salem Field. The batting cages now are out in the parking lot, and you can uh, roll up with an iPad, a laptop, and go over your swing while you're doing your batting practice. And I have to think a lot of those same things that we see here at Salem Field, the players raved about, you see down there at the PDC. And beyond, honestly, the hitting lab and the pitching lab are a couple of new bells and whistles. Uh, a lot of it's proprietary. If you can get a sneak peek of it or at least talk to the players, they get to utilize it. Uh, the technology is endless, and they're trying to replicate that in stops in the minor leagues just because players get comfortable with those resources in their offseason training here. But then through spring training, you know, they want to have that baseline to look back on and then use the technology, for example, that's in Buffalo right now and compare it to the technology that they've had. So they don't want to miss any of these steps. And that's why it was so important while the major league team was there to implement it. Also, then the ripple effects as many other things that got that got improved in Buffalo. Right. Players are now going to benefit this for years and years to come. And. It's about getting better individually, and as individuals get better, that means the teams are going to get better, and Buffalo is going to have another great team like they had last year, and all those resources only promote that. And I'll tell you, just from a pitching lab perspective, the cameras, the pressure plates, um, the, the, the immediacy of data that is turned into those players, they realize in this offseason that, you know what, we don't have enough space. So... They left the pitching lab alone and they constructed a new hitting lab, which is beyond anything that exists in Major League Baseball, let alone minor league baseball right now. It's a standalone facility off of the minor league batting cages. Uh, they've got instant data. And you can also then just with the beauty of technology, right? You can place the background of a ballpark in Buffalo or you can place yourself with the digitization at Rogers Center in Toronto and you can get the flight of a swing in a cage here in Dunedin, Florida, but then they project it on the screen like you just hit it at Rogers Center. Exit velocity, the pitch tracking, all that stuff, you know, looks really, really cool. But at the end of the day, the player is focused on, is my swing plane changing? Is my stride too long? And with the pressure plates and a lot of technology, you can find out instantaneously. And that stuff is going to be seen in Buffalo, too. And as you talk about that, I think about guys like Casey Lawrence, who you have seen down in Dunedin, who might be a little bit of back to the future for, for, for you and Casey to see each other again uh, in Dunedin. But Casey really uh, talked about uh, having somebody like David Howell last year, who was um, out in the bullpen a lot of times, but uh, during the day working with pitchers and really analyzing how they threw the ball, this, all the different measures and metrics, metrices uh, that you can judge a pitcher by and how it made him a better pitcher. And we've seen Guys go away from necessarily the, the sinking fastball to the cutter now and how that has 
really allowed pitchers uh, some new life uh, on their pitches and extend their careers a little bit. So I'd imagine guys like Casey are taking advantage of uh, the pitching lab down there in Dunedin. Uh, I mean, absolutely. And, and then trying to replicate it when they step on the 10 pack and throw their side sessions and then go to live batting practices. And we're still a little bit away from minor league games actually unfolding here in Dunedin. Uh, that's coming up in a couple of weeks, but that'll be the next test, right? It's great to see this stuff in a closed environment, but as we have learned, you know, once the lights get a little bit brighter and it's this phase, right? You, you try to do it in the pitching lab. You try to take it to your side session. Then you go to live BP. Now can you implement it in the games? That's the true test. If you can replicate all those things as the heart rate races. And they're trying to do that uh, with the younger guys. If it's a Graham Spraker, for example, you know, who, who has a lot of promise. If he can stay in the organization and be left as a Blue Jay or Ricky Tiedemann, who's the big splash in the talk of town right now with his added velocity. But those guys that you mentioned, like a Casey Lawrence or a Matt Gage, those are important insurance policies. And for Casey Lawrence to develop a new pitch and get it to translate then to be effective when he's out there on the mound or Matt Gage, if they can plant the seed right now with the strides that they're taking and working with David Howell or, or Jeff Ware or, you know, the luxury right now is Casey Lawrence and Matt Gage or any of the prospects that are here are getting an opportunity to pitch in front of Pete Walker. And in normal cases, once Major League Camp starts, Pete and Matt Bushman and, and also David Howell now, you know, their, re, their, their time, their resources are invested on making the guys that pitch in the Major League games or ready for Major League the season itself to get ready. That's their focus. But right now, they can channel their resources. They can take their time and look at these other guys, whether it's just a small sample size or a longer look, that's really important because um, as we know, coaches, players, people in the organization will remember these little moments when, when there's a need at the major league level, whether it's April or July, let's say. And that's really important, especially for guys like Casey. And I've seen your tweets and other uh, beat reporters that are down in Dunedin recently. You know, it, whether it's on the pitching side of things, guys like Pete Walker from the major league coaching staff, whether it's Charlie Montoyo, the manager, uh, what have players said to you and others about the opportunity to have the major league coaching staff uh, see them in action and make the most of this opportunity to make an impression on them? Well, you know, I mean, the, you, you hope from a coaching standpoint that if you're a young guy, you're not trying too hard to make an impression. And and overextend or change what you know your regular routine in fact i was talking with a couple of coaches you know you hope you hope for the fact that just because i'm spending the time of looking at you or taking the time to you know, watch a bullpen watch you take ground balls and and on the infield you're not going to change who you are um and while the major league coaching staff is here the blue jays aren't necessarily saying you know they're coaching in spring training. Uh, they're definitely here to observe, and it's a great presence. And Charlie Montoyo is getting a chance, for example, you know, to look at a lot of guys that he would never get a chance to see. Um, you know, if it's a non-40-man guy or somebody that's not even projected to be as a depth piece for early spring training games to come in and play that fifth, sixth, and and innings beyond, uh, you know, Charlie would have to just get the reports and and have to check in on a guy by calling his minor league coach. Now at least he can watch 
you know, this cluster at third baseman take ground balls for 45 minutes and check out the actual arm, the accuracy, the footwork. And for Charlie Montoya and Luis Rivera, you know, veteran infielders in their own right, uh, but passion for coaching on the infield, you know, they can maybe make a suggestion to that player or say something that, that they've seen to another coach and try to improve them. Uh, or a, perhaps relay a drill to that player to make the transfer a little bit quicker. We've seen all that within the first 10 days of spring training. So it's definitely making an impact no matter who you are or where you find yourself on the depth chart. And the coaches love it because coaches love coaching. They're invested in it. It's a passion for them. And there are no greater lifers, you know, in the game than what the Blue Jays have assembled on their coaching staff in a number of different ways. And that's one of the great things about this staff. There's a lot of balance and there's a lot of creative thinking that goes along with it but every one of these coaches love the eye test and they love to see these guys in action as well Ben, it's like we've we've talked before because you lead me right into my next point in, in talking about gil kim and his elevation to you know full-time on the major league coaching staff where he's been the last couple of years that allows for opportunities for others in the uh in the organization like joe scalfani to take over now and really have a, a more um a bigger hand in developing minor league players uh, how has that transition, do you feel, gone this offseason? And have you had a chance to maybe talk to Joe or anybody else and, and get some of their philosophies on how they want the minors to continue to grow? Yeah, you, you know, Joe is interesting because he's been in the organization for a little while. And actually, he's had more of an operational hand in what every minor league affiliate has had in front of them, one, but also how the Blue Jays operate their minor league system overall. And even though it wasn't there in title, Joe has been doing this behind the scenes. And it, it's the philosophy was you can still get better at the major league level over the last couple of years. As wild as baseball and life, let's be honest, has been over the last couple of years, the Blue Jays still made a very big and important point on no matter where you are, no matter what level or what your pedigree is, you can still get better. Now, while Gil was with the big league club, traveling with the big league club, invested in the major league club, he still was involved on the periphery. Joe Scofani was doing that hands-on, and he was visiting the affiliates. And wonderful thing about Joe is his energy. You know, you can spend 30 seconds with Joe, and you can feel his energy uh, in a presence, in his voice, in what he's saying. So, you know, you just step onto the field, you're going to get that. You get a text from Joe, you're going to get that. Uh, whether there's a change in philosophy, I think is a little bit to be seen. I think the players will tell you that if there is a need to change the philosophy. But I think the Blue Jays right now, with the pool of prospects that they've got, with the number of players in the organization, they understand that more than ever, with the position of the major league club, if they go out there and a season gets started, the Blue Jays maximize their potential and get to their goals. And their goals is not only to make it to the playoffs. The Toronto Blue Jays are walking into this season with what they've been already able to do with the talents they have assembled and, and it's going to be on that diamond every day. The goal is a World Series, Pat. Uh, make no bones about it. The, the goal for the Toronto Blue Jays this year is to go to the World Series. And they know that they're a couple of steps away from really making the Blue Jays that piece of the puzzle as legit contenders even though they can kind of be a sexy pick in a wild card, you know, for a long run here. The people in the minor leagues are going to have a hand making that possible. And they know that the players also know that. So uh, every expectation for every level from top to bottom, whether you're a front office guy or whether you're the backup player in Vancouver, 
you know that you're going to have a hand in the success of the organization. And that's where the Blue Jays are right now. And for folks that may not know, Joe is Joe Scalfani is not that far removed from being a player himself. So it's not as if he, uh, you know, has hasn't been in the player's shoes before. He understands uh, the situation players may be in to the highest levels of the minor leagues. And I think there's a value in that, like we saw with Gil Kim in the past and and other minor league, whether it be field coordinators or um, minor league coaches that that more recently uh, were players themselves. Yeah, I mean, these guys have been through the wars, right? They understand what it's like to hop on a flight at 4.30 in the morning, uh, drop your bag in a hotel after a long delay, and then your first duty is to report to the ballpark because you've got to be there for batting practice and the bus leaves in 15 minutes. I mean, these guys understand. It's not like they've been dropped into a position where um, they're too far removed from the game. They understand not only what it's like to go through as a player, but now taking advantage of the modern conveniences and and I really get a sense while the Blue Jays have invested so much into the sports science of things, whether it's health and nutrition, whether it's the analytical side, there's been a leveling off with the coaches and the organization. And then that trickles down to the players of a better balance. Yeah, all these things are great. But at the end of the day, when the lights were on, did you win or lose? Did you maximize the potential in an individual at bat? Or, you know, did you handle the ground ball? to get better in that, in that play. And I think the people at the, in the front office and around the evaluators now have a greater appreciation of taking all the resources and all the prep work and the reams of paper that come out every report. Uh, not only the emphasis to provide it to a player, but does it translate and does it make that player better? And can a team succeed because of it? And I think that's where you're really finding the balance now and the realization within the organization uh, from the major league level, especially, but all the way down now uh, to, to, to get an eye test, really, you know, are you enjoying the brand of baseball that these players are producing? And there's no better example. I don't think than the Bison's last season, when you have somebody like Casey Candell as the manager who played here in Buffalo in the late nineties, won a championship with the team or helped lead the team to a championship and has had a very successful coaching career. You marry that with, Someone like Jeff Ware, who was going to be the pitching coach in 2020, Corey Hart, who's been here before. And then you add David Howell, Jake McGuigan, who are the, the new school, if you, if you will, um, types who, who are analytical and, and can marry those two thoughts and bring the team together. It culminated in a division championship. Yeah, I, I like that balance, too. And I, I've spent some time with Jake. Casey's down here. And just as jovial as he's ever been as well, there is a balance and this is what I was talking about earlier. There's a balance with, between having all the data and information available for these players, but also then making it translate so a player can soak it in, but also get results out of it. And, you know, that's the beautiful thing in getting to know Jake over the last couple of months, too. There's that nice balance between his pedigree as a guy that could jump into any front office right now and, and, and lead or be on the field and lead as well. And, so it's a really nice balance, and Casey's got a great grasp of it and understands what the success is as a player, as a coach, but also what it's like to have success in Buffalo, too. You know, And that's what makes this season exciting, that Bison fans can finally get to hopefully enjoy wire to wire what was starting in Trenton, finally got to Western New York last year, and even though things you know had to be adjusted, hopefully the uh, 
hopefully that trophy is kind of being carted around Salem Field later on in the fall. Uh, I hope so. And uh, one of those pitchers that may be counted on from wire to wire uh, in his development uh, this past offseason in the fall league has really put people on notice. And one person is Graham Spraker and somebody who, if, if Bison fans remember, actually did pitch in Buffalo uh, when there was a necessity in 2019, came up for, for a little bit of time here in this past season in 2021. What has the talk been around uh, Graham Spraker's development and, and how he has seemingly taken that next step? You know what? I mean, he's still a guy that has to take the next step. And that was what's so encouraging out of the Arizona Fall League. And that was by design. They wanted him to face a little bit higher level competition. They want him to get the extra innings, of course, because the last couple of years have just been so erratic for everybody. Uh, but for Graham, the next step is consistency and finding out, you know, does a change in the mechanics translate from a bullpen session then once the guy gets in the batter's box. And, you know, for for Graham and some of these younger guys, how they approach a left-handed hitter versus a right-handed hitter. And, and are you able to command the strike zone? And there was a pocket of time where the strike zone was a little bit elusive for, for Graham Spraker, but you cannot deny the ability that his arm possesses and, and the, and the stuff, the pure stuff. He's got a live arm. Now the next step is trying to command the strike zone and put himself in a better position from pitch number one to the final pitch, hopefully recording it out. Uh, you know, so it's early in camp. Uh, guys are working on a lot of different things right now. But one of the guys that is certainly getting a lot of looks and a lot of attention from the coaches down here is Graham Spraker. And that'll be one of the key pieces, you know, moving forward for Bison fans to track. Someone I wanted to ask you about was Eric Pardino, somebody who's coming off Tommy John surgery, missed uh, 2020 and 2021 because of that. Um, you know, what has has his evolution as a pitcher um, from his time is really a, a prospect in the lower levels of the minors. And again, dealing with that that elbow injury that required Tommy John surgery. Um, how has he started to bounce back? And what are your what are your maybe expectations of someone like him uh, to start 2022? You know, he was someone that was just referenced in name and you would find his name every now and again in a box store as a prospect. But you never got a chance to lay eyes on him. Then with the injury. For two years, he was trapped. I mean, literally trapped in Dunedin. So first thing you know about Eric Bardino is he's smiling again because he's a bit able to get on a mound and get out there and, and throw on a regular routine versus a lot of the concern as he was on the shelf for literally two years. Um, he may be surprising, you know, from a prospect status. He's not your prototypical prospect stature. You know, he's not 6'5". He's not 215, 30 pounds. Um, he's a little bit smaller of a, of a figure, but he's got a live arm. He's got good deception. And now the next step is making sure as he gets there and he throws in higher level situations, higher level or at least the competitive nature, that one, the stuff you expect to come back, uh, but also his health. Right. So this is another guy that will have a lot of eyes, but also a lot of concern because they understand that uh, with with his promise, with his promise right now, you want to make sure that you're not forcing him before he's ready. And you think, man, two years in waiting, nobody's chomping at the bit more than Eric Bardino. Uh, but from a Blue Jay perspective, they're trying to make sure every test, every kind of rung on the ladder that he climbs, his body is going to respond the proper way. But with the pitchability, with where his arm looks right now, and he has not missed a beat coming to camp. And that's what I think is turning on a lot of people right now about Eric Bardino and uh, 
Ricky Tiedemann and, and the list goes on and on and on with the prospects right now. But getting these guys healthy, getting them ready and get them going uh, is, is, is going to be the big focus before these games start in the middle of March. Is Ricky Tiedemann another name that, that Bison fans should maybe get ready for and somebody like maybe we not may not have heard a lot about in the past, but um, somebody that is quickly, um, whether it's working this, this offseason or through spring training here, uh, we should get familiar with? Listen, I, I want to say don't get too excited in terms of the roadmap or the timeline with Ricky Tiedemann. Listen, with what he's done over the last year, adding a couple of clicks to a fastball, you, may, you, you jump from 92 miles an hour to 97 miles an hour within the course of a year. Uh, that's, that's incredible. And it's a guy that's bet on himself. He's got the pedigree of major league life. He understands it a little bit better. Um, you know, he went to JUCO. He decommitted from San Diego State. He's he's got a good feel you know he's got a good feel and air of confidence and his brother of course is a huge huge guy and has been through the wars too so to rule out ricky tiedemann for triple a this year depending on what the organization has in terms of needs it's hard to say right now i want to i want to get the juices flowing for all these waves of prospects you know to get to the higher levels and help the bisons make an impact on the field uh, but I think right now, projected-wise, he's going to start in the lower levels, and you'll see. I mean, the players will tell you, right? The players will hit their way from the Florida State League uh, to the Eastern League and then to the International League, and the, and the pitchers will make that next step, too. Um, so they'll tell you when they're ready. I hope Ricky Tiedemann is one of those guys that, that push the envelope, especially on the minor league side this year. And the eight gloves behind the pitching staff is something I wanted to check in with you about as well. As it's so important um, to the development of the, of the organization. Guys like Colin Large, Logan Warmoth, who got their first taste of AAA life last year. Um, you know, have you had a chance to, to talk to any of the, the prospects that were here in Buffalo last year and, and how they felt they went through a AAA season and what they're maybe looking forward to here in 2022? Yeah, uh, what they're looking forward to is full season of baseball, you know, and getting better. Honestly, I think more than anything, the theme around this camp is normalcy. Could there just be some sort of normalcy where you can interact with your players? Um, you know, guys, minor league level, major league level, they told me they miss the interaction with their teammates and, and building that camaraderie and guys that they're close to. Maybe they're not even playing on the same team or on the same field, but they like being here and having breakfast with a buddy, you know, that they've got to know over the last couple of years. But more now there's normalcy in camp where you're not just dictated by a pot and you know we've we know contact tracing we know all the buzzwords from the COVID years uh this feels like baseball you know this feels like guys in conversation without masks in the middle of the field uh out shagging with pitchers and coaches and other position players that aren't there so to answer the question about Colin Large I've talked with him Logan Warmoth um you know is he going to play short are they going to move to third base is he going to get more reps at third base and and find himself there knowing Aurelvis Martinez maybe behind him in overall projection rankings uh, in terms of where they're going to start in the minor league level. But how are you going to round this thing out? You know, now for Logan Warmoth and Colin Large and whoever, you know, maybe the, the six-year free agent is, how are you going to place these guys in the infield and the outfield that's going to best suit not only them, but then the major league team? You know, I expect Logan Warmoth, for example, to play a lot of shortstop. But at the end of the day, does he project as a third baseman? It, from, a, you know, from a baseball perspective and what I want to see, I want to see how he plays third, even though maybe his value is to showcase him in front of scouts or keep him in front of people continuously getting reps at shortstop. 
but I'm not sure he's the answer at shortstop. He might be for another organization, and that's what makes his name linked to a couple of Blue Jay trade rumors and all this other stuff really exciting, right? Uh, so how do you factor him in? There's so much that could happen in a very short amount of time for the Toronto Blue Jays, and not only will it help or impact how the Major League roster lines up, but it's going to have an impact on how the Bisons roll out their opening day lineup and where guys play as well. Ben, it's been great catching up with you today. Your backdrop of, of the player development complex looks amazing. I'm uh, very jealous that I won't be able to make it down to Dunedin this year, but um, you know, thanks for taking the time today. I do have to ask you though, did you take the golf cart to, to work today? You know it. If you're in Dunedin, that is the way of life. If you're familiar with how Dunedin operates or the ballparks around us, uh, you know that the karting life is the life, not only for me, but many other people. So uh, you'd be, it's not exactly a 50-50 split if you go through the main drag of Dunedin, but there are plenty of carts and they're decked out. I did not have the lights blinking on my way here because the sun is too vibrant. Uh, but hey, it's a, it's a nice open air commute to get, for at least for me to get to work every day. Well, we'll miss you. We'll miss you here as Grapefruit League action gets rolling, but hopefully uh, an opportunity to welcome you with open arms come in 2023, if you can believe it or not. We're already talking about that. Yeah, sounds great, my friend. And I can vouch for that, uh, that golf cart ride. It, it is a very nice commute uh, to work every day. And again, thanks for joining us here today. My pleasure, pal. Our thanks again to Ben. I have a feeling this won't be the last time we catch up with him here in the Power Alley. Don't forget, coming up as we lead you towards opening day, we'll have many more features each Monday from now until April the 4th, the day before the season starts. We hope to bring you a couple of players down from Dunedin as well as talk to Joe Scalfani, who is now in charge of the minor league system for the Blue Jays with the elevation of Gil Kim, the full-time major league staff for Toronto. Until then, I'll talk to you next time. I'm Pat Melicaro here in the Power Alley.